0: Hi everyone, my name is Georgina, and welcome to the very first episode of Women in Sport, aka WINS. In this podcast, I will be chatting with women in sport, whether they be an athlete, racer, lawyer, or generally working within sport at a business, charity, or at a sports regulator. The aim of this podcast is to improve gender diversity within sport, irrespective of the role, and to promote the business case for women in sport, and highlight any unique challenges. I will be discussing topical issues focused on key challenges faced by my guests as a woman in sport and anticipating future issues they may face. However, I should first introduce myself. My name is Georgina King and I'm an associate within the sports sector at Linklaters. As a dispute resolution solicitor, I have experience in arbitration, public law, crisis management and competition litigation work. My avid interest in sport started at an early age I have long been a motorsport and football fan and active participant. My granddad was on Tottenham Hotspur's books, an incredibly successful all-round athlete. And my family, quite frankly, are football mad, both as players and fans of various clubs. Not only that, but my dad is a record-breaking multi-European motorcycle drag racing champion, having won 12 FIM European Championships, 10 as a rider and two as a team principal, as well as holding a number of British, European and world records. My dad was inducted into the British Drag Racing Hall of Fame in 2020 for his achievements. And it's safe to say I'm a huge petrol head, having grown up trackside. I hope to bring you more on that aspect of my life later in this podcast series. So to kick us off, I'm breaking tradition before it's even started by having my colleague, Sharmin Chowdhury, join me in this inaugural episode. We're going to be taking a brief look as to why this podcast is so important, shining more of a light behind the business case for women in sport. Sharman, if you'd like to introduce yourself, please take it away.
1: Thanks Georgina, Uh, and thank you for inviting me on for the first one. I feel slightly privileged in that that sense. So I am a structured finance and sports associate at Linklater's who has spent a lot of time um, focusing on the finance aspects of sport and particularly around football and, and sort of helping our clients and various other people generally in the market navigate the growth of sport from originally being sort of smaller money involved, to much, much larger numbers that we're seeing today.
0: And Charmin, as you and I both know, women's sports in recent years, and more so in the year just gone, has grown massively in popularity. With that popularity comes more attendees, and with more attendees comes more revenue for women's sports, as the potential for brands gaining access to a wider demographic grows. Arguably, this demographic can, and may be different to the demographic for men's sports, And first off, can you tell me what you believe drives the growth of women's sports globally? Let's take football as a test case, for example.
1: Well, particularly in football, especially for women's sport, actually what you're finding is you have a great deal of demand and a great deal of new attraction to the sport and attendance. And when you put those two things together, what you end up having is a a rapid growth um, of the women's game particularly through TV rights, event attendance, and sponsorships, because ultimately with the greater viewing numbers and the greater number of people attending matches, the, the monetization of the sport continues to grow.
0: And you mentioned three key aspects there for women's sports, so TV rights, event attendance, and sponsorship. So taking TV rights by way of example, a few figures which, as a football player since a young age, I find outstanding, for example, according to research by Women's Sports Trust, almost 33 million people watched women's sporting events in 2021, which is around 11 million new viewers to women's sports. And cricket, around 25% of those who watched England women's cricket, or their 100, had not previously watched men's cricket on television in 2021. In large part, then, there is a good percentage of people who hadn't watched that sport before at all. What do you think about that?
1: I mean, it, it's spot on, isn't it? So a great sort of number throwing numbers back at you as well, Georgina, is that one in three fans are actually watching the women's football game, for example, they're completely new to football. And what that really means for some of the aspects we're talking about, so TV rights, uh, event attendance and sponsorship, is you have a whole new market that has never been tapped before in terms of football or sports generally, that create a great opportunity for companies and brands that would like to uh, increase their exposure to a wider audience
0: exactly and i think uh, just from like obviously i guess going off piece slightly but you know from people that i've spoke to that have attended like women's sporting events particularly football and stuff like that they find it a lot more accessible for families um, given you know how integrated men's football is more generally throughout time event day attendance is the same so with records being broken left right and center those who attended the 100 grew by 4,000, and a new European record was set for Women's Euro's final game as well against England and Germany, which I also watched of course, with approximately 87,000 fans attending. And how do you think that changes the game for women's sport?
1: So I, I think it's really important to focus for, separately on the, two, on the two points. So the first one being event attendance. People turning up on the day is, is going to drive women's sport enormously and those numbers will continue to increase partially because as you mentioned there's a new fan base that finds the women's sport far more inclusive um, arguably even a safer environment to come and watch sport for the first time or to to become a new sort of avid um, watcher of the game Mm -hmm. Uh, that's one side of the equation the other side of the equation is when you have more people coming in to watch the game whether it's on, on the TV or whether it's actually in person, that helps bigger companies, for example, Sky, Sky Sports, B1, BT Sports, Amazon. Yeah. They're all looking at these numbers and, and looking at that and thinking, well, if this many people are turning up in person, yeah. how many more people might there be around the world, globally, domestically, um, across Europe, for example, that would like to watch as well? And that inevitably drives their investment decision about how much they wish to spend on broadcasting and sort of sponsorship agreements on Mm -hmm. match days uh, and that sort of drives the conversation around getting growth in women's sports.
0: Yeah and I guess um, you know touching on sponsorship then we saw in August 2022 a UEFA report basically outlining the business case for women's sports more generally, but women's football in particular. So, you know, they said, for example, the potential of women's club and league game in Europe was set to have a commercial value of 686 million euros in 2033. And then, you know, touching on sponsorship, if you, as you've just said, so we see a UEFA report outlining the potential of women's club and league game in Europe set to have a commercial value of 686 million euros in 2033 with club sponsorship set to increase sixfold to 295 million euros. And I guess like you know, given we're a social media age and stuff like that, even if you take, for example, some of the, the women's sports team's Instagram pages, so say Chelsea, for example, FC, you know, they had higher interactions than 12 of men's Premier League clubs last year um, in the 2021 and 22 season. And, you know, their, their Instagram page has apparently increased 77% year on year, which is an enormous reach. Um, and, you know, I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that.
1: I think the women's game particularly, and I use Angel City FC as a great example, they have been very focused on fan engagement. Ultimately, the more you engage with your fans, the stickier they become, and the more likely they are to turn up on match, match days. And what you see in the women's game is, particularly footballers, women's footballers have really taken the time to focus on their fans, to interact with them and to make them part of the sporting journey. And in doing that, not only are you increasing the engagement with your fans, but actually those individual football players, whether it be individual or with the club that Mm. they're associated with, they are growing their own following. And what that does is gives These professional football players these women a great platform to negotiate with sponsors for far bigger deals than they've ever had before because now they can stand there and say well actually my following is you know 1 million 10 million 15 million whatever the number is and demand more money because actually that is what they are worth that is what the market will will allow them to do and ultimately that continues to help the growth but also the exposure that women's football and women's sport generally will have across the world.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I for one, am very excited to see what's going to happen. So um, <laughs> I'd just like to say thank you very much for your time and um, you know, thank you for joining me as my very first guest.
1: Thank you so much, pleasure.
0: And I'd just like to say, if anyone would like to come and share their story, you'd be very welcome to join me and please do reach out if so. Until next time, keep your ears, eyes, and mind open for all the wins.